Flags podcast. Let's get real. Welcome back to another episode of Red Flags Podcast. We are so excited to have you back here today. We are joined by one of our great friends, Brooke. Um, Brooke, why don't you take the time to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Brooke. I'm so excited and happy to be here today. Um, I am currently a student at Westminster. I'm studying nursing. Um, I think my core interests are uh, in the empowering of the youth, uh, sex trafficking awareness, and oceanic conservation. And I'm so happy that Kenna and Callie are doing this podcast because these are the two most wise people in my life who have given me so much life advice. And I'm just so happy that they're finally doing a podcast. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Brooke. We appreciate your enthusiasm. To get into kind of what we're talking about today, um, we ask our guests to come on the show and pick a red flag or a topic that they feel strongly about or they want to talk about or maybe they have the a story to share. Um, so Brooke, why don't you kind of explain what we're talking about here today? So today we're going to be talking about the sexualization of young people regardless of gender and just how that can negatively impact people growing up and just how they feel about themselves and I think this is a really important topic to bring attention to um, and it's really affected me growing up so I'm excited. Perfect. We're going to get into a lot of stories today. I think this is going to be more of a personal episode, and I'll tell you why. Um, Callie, Brooke, and I all identify as female, and some things that we have gone through growing up have been directed towards this idea of, you know, avoiding distracting others in just the physical attributes that we have. Um, So we can all kind of relate to this in some way, and instead of throwing facts at you, we kind of wanted to bring it on more of a personal level and explain to you how we've been sexualized in society and how that directly affects us. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to start by asking Brooke about her past, and we wanted to ask when you were younger, how did you notice being over-sexualized, or like, did you notice? Maybe when did you notice? Yeah, so I think it kind of also all started off because I did, as many young girls do, I did ballet and jazz and modern and all the dances. Um, And I think just growing up, having that be the first thing that I did, like since I was five years old and stuff, and just that um, pressure of being perfect, perfect, yeah, yeah, and just looking a certain way and knowing that I had to look a certain way to be appreciated by people around me and things like that, that kind of triggered it all. I never really noticed that I was being necessarily like sexualized or um, needed to be a certain way besides perfect at that age. But I think it kind of hit me as well. Growing up in a conservative household, um, my mom, for instance, being a gorgeous petite woman who never really had big curves or anything. She was just very pretty face. When she was growing up, people appreciated her for like her face and her gorgeous long red hair. And when I was growing up, we definitely had very different body types. And um, I think because of the differences between us, she didn't really necessarily know how to go about that. Because 
she also grew up in a very conservative household and I was taught to kind of cover up or the people who did have like larger breasts or something were and showed them off were definitely more sexualized in society and I don't think that's a bad thing now but growing up it has been um, a journey to get to that point and accepting my body for what it is um, I definitely developed like breasts and things in high school and that's when people started commenting on it for me and so with that background of having my parents kind of say that that's a bad thing um, and then kind of developing into the thing that was labeled as not the best. Right. It ha- it was very difficult to accept myself for who I was. And I think just through like the years of college and life hitting me, I realized it doesn't really matter and it's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just think that that's kind of where it all started. Yeah. I mean, I would say I... Well, I didn't necessarily grow up in a conservative household. I definitely grew up with my grandparents who were focused on different generational beliefs. Goodness gracious. Um, So, you know, for me, when I think back to like the roots of how my over-sexualization of my body started, um, it was about, you know, my grandma telling me like, well, what are people going to think about you? Like if you wear that, you may think that you look good, but other things are other people are going to think that you're a slut. So it came down to this idea that like what you wear has a basis in how other people perceive you and they will always perceive you negatively because of that. And that's how kind of like it was portrayed to me. Um, And now I know that obviously there are a lot of different things that go into that. Uh, But I, I would say too, you know, Brooke touching on that, I mean, we talked about this in our first episode, basically, like you learn self-love from your parents and how they talk about yourself. And Callie shared a story about how her mom would talk about herself in a negative way and how that directly impacted her. And we can see this all the way through to this episode now when we're talking about sexualization. It starts from how your parents tell you that you should perceive yourself and your body and how other people are going to perceive that. Um, So I definitely say, you know, this is where we see a red flag here. Yeah, and I agree with, like, that's what happened to me as well. And not necessarily that my parents thought that I wasn't beautiful because of my body. They kind of, my mom was like, oh, my gosh, I would pay to have your body. It was just, right. it was just different than what they grew up with and what they know how to treat. And because I was a young girl, my family just didn't really know how to go about it. Yeah. Um, but they do like still love me and think I'm gorgeous and all that but (laughs) um but it wasn't necessarily their fault for how they raised me to believe that um people with larger breasts or assets um were supposed to be labeled as sexual figures definitely and to build on that I think that kind of what Brooke said, it might not be like their fault or their their intent. I think that sometimes it comes from a place of protection and like wanting your loved one, your daughter, your niece, your whoever, your nephew, your son, um, whoever it is, you, you want them to be safe. And I think that sometimes the way that we portray that is by telling our 
our loved ones that the be- the best way to prevent yourself from being hurt or being looked at that way is to dress more conservatively and cover up. Um, I definitely know that like as a kid, I, I went to church quite a bit every Sunday basically. And, um, I was almost always asked to just like, you know, wear something modest, wear something nice. Um, but I definitely think that modesty to me at least was more of a personal guideline sort of thing. I think that a lot of people had their set standards of, you know, knee length is modest, fingertip length is modest, you know, spaghetti straps aren't okay. But I think that to me, modesty has always meant more of what I feel good in and what I'm comfortable in. Um, So I feel like there there was kind of a difference in opinion when I was um, growing up both, you know, inside of my church, but also, like, inside of my family being asked to, you know, my mom didn't want me wearing short shorts to all of our family events because, like, you know, sometimes my grandma would comment on it, but then also, like, I think it's just a safety thing on her part. Um, So it's kind of conflicting to be told by a lot of people that the thing that you're not wearing, that you're wearing is not modest, when you feel like you're comfortable in it and yeah. you feel beautiful mm-hmm. in it. I would also say too, I mean, going along with the idea of like modesty, I mean, every single body type is different and every single person is different. So to try and create this one set of guidelines or rules for everyone to follow. And like for me, instinctually, I think high school, like fingertip length as far as like skirts and shorts and dresses go for girls me being a six foot tall woman, like I never could ever wear anything that was a skirt or shorts or anything like that because it would never reach fingertip length for me because my leg, my arms are absurdly long for no reason. (laughs) I'm like an Amazonian woman, but I was never able to wear those things because it didn't reach my fingertip length. Whereas like other shorter girls were able to wear those shorts and let their ass hang out because it was fingertip length to them because they had tiny little t-rex arms and that's okay we're all different but to try and create this like one standard of modesty for every single person to follow is just ridiculous and that's what we have in society and we see this all the way through you know things we're taught by different generations our family our grandparents we also see this in the media though like i mean hello this is what we call the kardashian effect if you will like you are constantly being thrown images of how you should look or what we label as sexy in society and that's what you need to modify yourself to otherwise you're not going to be cool or popular or get all the attention yeah Um, and I definitely see that with the younger generation I'm a 22 year old female is obsessed with TikTok Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I think you definitely we're seeing huge different like generational gaps on how women, men, anybody is allowed to express themselves um, through their clothing and what's becoming more and more accepted, which I think is a good thing. It's definitely on the right track to have everybody express themselves and just have it be an open concept for anybody who wants to do anything different. I think it's much more accepted now versus back when our parents were our age, it's just completely different. And it's just such a short amount of time to where I think that's why we have all these issues with sexualizing young people today. So Kenna mentioned earlier um, high school and dealing with different standards of dress code. I think that's definitely something that I've noticed throughout my life. Even when I was in first and second grade, I was growing up in California and it was 
warm there, obviously. We weren't allowed to wear like tank tops at my school. But growing up, I mean, it wasn't like a big deal to my mom. So like I could I could wear tank tops at home or, you know, during the summer. However, once I started going to school, I, I couldn't anymore. And I think for me, it was just kind of more of a limiter to what I could like get for back to school at that but however like growing up and going into middle school and high school um, leggings definitely became a bigger and bigger thing and for me it was kind of like when I first saw leggings they were being worn under skirts or shorts and now they're more of a pant and I mean I wear leggings with pants all the time I'm doing it right now but I think that people's attitudes changed toward that and I think it was fine for my mom if I was wearing these things and like I had my parents permission or whatever um but the standards that the school had set for me were different and I think I don't know I think growing up to me if like my mom said it was okay I felt like it should be just like okay Um, oh yeah girl Well, I mean, you bring up here like this idea of dress code and going back and touching on the high school point, like there's a huge double standard when it comes to dress codes in the education system. And we see this in, you know, first of all, we only identify two genders, male and female. We set a dress code for just those genders, um, which is a problem all in itself. But also then we see that there's basically no dress code for identified males, um, other than like no hats and no offensive t-shirts or language whereas like the girls identified females have an extensive list of things they can't wear which basically tells them like if you wear this it means that the men in the room are going to get distracted by you they won't be able to focus on their schoolwork and in turn you're not helping out their education so you need to cover yourself up so that they can learn better and that's just screwed up um so this kind of brought up a story that I had. Um, I grew up in a smaller town in the middle of nowhere in Idaho, and um, there was this identified as male, but he dressed very feminine, and he was also targeted by teachers and staff as being distracting, you know, and just not really being accepted into that. And because of him looking different than other males, I guess, um, and dressing more feminine, it brought a lot of issues just to his own self-confidence and how he wanted to express himself and I think people don't necessarily understand how to accept the different spectrums of people as well and how they might want to dress or how they feel best about themselves something that people should accept as okay now it's not it shouldn't just because it's different it shouldn't be shot down upon not just okay now like it's always been okay yes definitely you know we're sitting here and we're talking about the sexualization of people and their clothing and how they view themselves and how they view other people's but like I'm gonna bring up the point right now like just because Brooke Callie and I are touching on the different experiences and stories that we have as females and how we've been sexualized in that way, this is regardless of any gender, right? Like we see in advertisement all the time men being sexualized. And for me, like the first example that comes to mind, um, I don't know if you guys know her. Her name is Nikita Dragon. She's a beauty influencer. Um, She went to the VMAs last year and she walked men down the red carpet shirtless with leather pants uh, with leashes. Mm -hmm. And we're so quick to 
you know, think that sexualization only happens to females, but it's regardless of any gender. I mean, to be a male and be escorted down a red carpet on a leash only for the sole purpose that she's trying to show that she has power over men and other people. I mean, that's a prime example right there of sexualization that has been encrypted inside of our society as, oh, she's like pushing the, she's pushing the edge of fashion. You know, now we see celebrities and artists who the only outfit they wear is a bodysuit, right? Like that is the go-to performer outfit costume right now. It's like it's a bodysuit and knee-high boots. Mm -hmm. And that's because we've come up with the idea that the more skin that you show, the more talented you are or the more edgy you are. But you also get a lot more attention because of that. I don't know which exactly award show this happened in, but Noah Cyrus – I just saw her outfit from it. She looked amazing, and I think it's definitely, like, okay and gorgeous. But what she wore was a nude bodysuit that was, yeah, it came from her neck down to her toes and full arms and everything. But all she wore, all it looked like she was wearing was a bikini that didn't even, like, go over her butt. It just kind of was a triangle and then two circles, and it was... It definitely was a ploy, I think, to get attention. I mean, she looked amazing in it, but she was definitely the most recognized from that award show because of, like, what she was wearing and how bold and different it was. I think we're coming to a very interesting point here that things don't have to be sexy to look good. Um, But I also think, on the other hand, just because someone looks sexy doesn't mean that like they're less than other people for whatever way. Um, I think there are plenty of people walking down the red carpets that are completely clothed, as people would say. Um, <laughs> but there's, you know, they're not as sexy looking or they're not as daring. When I think those outfits can be just as daring and just as amazing and avant garde. So I think it's interesting to see the the way that it differs when you're in the spotlight versus when you're you know a student or a kid also crossing that boundary is like kids in the spotlight we're seeing more and more like teenage stars and like preteen stars um like the the kids from stranger things have blown up in this in the time of a few years and there are tiktok stars who are like honestly like 14 and i think that On top of that, it's also been used, once again, not just for, like, attention, but for views. And I think that people sometimes use sexualization in a bad way in that they are, you know, shaking their ass for five seconds. And then it's like, you know, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor, which, like, I'm totally about. But, like, you're drawing attention for the wrong reason. And, like... I don't know. I just, I don't feel like that's true allyship to be like, oh, you know what? My ass is going to get views. So let's just tack something on top of there. That's like, I'm an activist too. Cause like, I think you can be both things and that's great. But I just, I don't, I don't think there has to be an overlap between those two things at all. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to sexualize yourself in order to say something that is right or just to turn a profit. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm going to get a little business on you guys. Um, Being that I do study marketing and advertising, this is something that we talk about a lot. The idea of does sex sell? Um, And I want to clarify this for you. Sex does not sell at the rate that you think it does. It actually sells like less than if you were to do a regular form of advertising, but to include some form of 
naked person or to make something super sexy. It doesn't increase your profits at all. It actually makes people feel more uncomfortable, just like the idea of fear advertising. But that's another thing. (laughs) And I take this from, you know, my personal experience of growing up in Las Vegas. I am extremely desensitized to sex. I mean, every billboard that you see is a naked girl is a advertisement for a strip club is something to do about getting wasted losing all your money and getting laid like that is something that from the time that I was born was institutionalized within my own little um, community in Las Vegas so I don't see it as much like or I guess I didn't see it as much as a problem before I moved out of Vegas and realized like holy crap Everything that I see as far as advertising goes inside of my own home has to do with sex. And that's constantly what's thrown in your face. And it's exhausting. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah. And I think on the opposite side of the spectrum with that, in Salt Lake City, I know there's a billboard that's been up for years. I see it all the time. And it's talking about... Um, it's basically to sign a petition to get rid of Cosmopolitan magazine. And, mm. you know, in the conservative state of Utah, I mean, it's just like even that magazine that has so many other articles that aren't just focused around sex and things. It's just because of the one thing that it's kind of known for. It's being shot down and it's not being accepted. And there is a large group of people that are trying to get rid of it. Right. Not that they really could get rid of it but it's just the fact that it's on this huge billboard on the highway and I see it constantly it's just a constant reminder of how it's not really accepted in some communities as well yeah and it's looked down upon yeah and I guess this would be a good time for us to clarify that when we talk about you know people in the media are wearing certain things we're not saying you know it would be hypocritical of us to say like oh you should not try to sexualize yourself we're more trying to call out why sexualization in society is a problem and how other people sexualize you in some way Mm -hmm. Um, so we're not saying at all that like like if you you know you want to wear as little clothing as possible and go out and like rock the town and that's what you think you look good in go for it like we're not limiting that at all we're Mm -hmm. basically calling out when you make that decision to wear that how is society going to reflect on that and react to that? Yeah, and it kind of connects to Instagram, for instance. I know if I post a photo where I'm in a bathing suit at the beach or something, I will get double the amount of likes as I would if I was, like, with my dog on a hike or something. And it's, like, when I'm on a hike with my dog, I'm actually proud of what I'm, like, doing and, like, the fact that I climbed a mountain or something and – I'm so stoked about it. And for example, it'll get like 180 likes versus a photo on the beach of me, like with my friends or something, it'll get like 400 something. And it's just how it's perceived and why that is an issue and how it can kind of affect people's brains and how they should feel about themselves. I agree. I think it's unfortunate that clothing itself is sexualized by our culture. Um, and, you know, not just because, like, I think people should wear whatever they want, but I think that going back to the idea of, like, you know, it's safer to dress more modest, um, I think it's sad that we feel the need, regardless of our gender, regardless of what we look like, you know, to dress a certain way because, you know, we think it might be safer or people are going to take me more seriously or I'm not going to draw as much attention or vice versa, I'm 
I am drawing too much attention and I need to fix that. And I think that's something, sorry, I think that's something that we are hyper aware of in our culture. And it even goes back to our last episode of campus safety. I know a lot of times maybe I didn't fully express myself when I was going to a party or a some sort of social event just because I felt like it was safer for me to dress that way, to dress more covered up or to, you know, wear something that I might not like as much on me, but, you know, maybe I won't attract I, I as much I think here, you know, what we've kind of been touching on for the past couple of minutes is this idea that clothing is going to dictate the sort of reaction that you're going to get. And I wanted to take the time to say that no matter what you wear will never label you as a slut or a whore or something negative. Um, and it doesn't matter what you wear at all in the sense of, you know, if we're going to talk about sex-related violence or something of that matter, like what you wear does not play in the role of what tragedies or traumas you've gone through. And for me, like I think of the basic example. One time I was walking home from work. Um, before I had a car, I walked everywhere. So I was doing like hour and a half commutes in the dark, did not matter what hour of the day by myself. Obviously I had a taser or, you know, get a birdie, me trying to plug that product, get a birdie if you need it. <laughs> um, but I was wearing jeans and a blazer and like there was not an, an inch of skin showing on me. And I was walking home, I was crossing a crosswalk and a group full of guys pulled up and they rolled down the windows and they say like, Hey, like how much do you charge a night? Like, let me get that good ass. How much do you charge a night? And me being in just like jeans and a blazer, I could not believe that I was being catcalled in that moment. Like really? Like maybe if I was in a short dress, I could understand, but I bring this up because I think it calls attention that it does not matter what you wear. If you're going to attract attention, you're going to attract attention. And that is not your fault. Like you shouldn't, change the things that you're going to wear or dress like because you're afraid of getting catcalled or calling extra attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think this totally ties into the idea of victim blaming and the question that we are so often hearing in, you know, sexual violence cases of like what were you wearing when this happened it doesn't matter what you're wearing or what you were wearing things can happen to you regardless of what you're wearing um and I think it's just total you know victim blaming to say oh well she was wearing short shorts so of course people are gonna look at her that way um because you know screw that people deserve to be people deserve to be treated with respect no matter what they are wearing or what they look like they're they're people (laughs) yeah they're people and to pull a little martin luther king in here like you should be judged by the content of your character and not by the color of your skin or the clothing that you're wearing or whatever the reason is for that matter if you have double d's or you know negative a's whatever it is you should not be judged on that um and i think this is kind of a good time to bring up the idea of sexualization from the viewpoint of your partner um and how that is so often overlooked within society and just in our own everyday lives um an example for me just to kind of kick off this little red flag conversation um 
in a previous relationship that I've had, you know, it was my partner's goal to buy certain things for me that were to only expose my body or my shape or my figure. Um, and then, you know, to be like, well, I got you, I got this for you. So you should wear it out with me. Like I'm going to take you out to dinner, but you're going to wear this short, short dress that has slits going down the side. And like, you can't wear underwear with it. And like, don't bend over because your ass will show. And that to him was something that like he wanted and me being the partner, like, oh, well, you know, like he bought it for me. I guess I should wear it. Like I would go out and do it, even though it made me so uncomfortable. And it basically just became like, I was this trophy that he got to show Mm -hmm. off to all of his friends or the people that we hung out with. Um, So, you know, we talk a lot about sexualization coming from outside forces and society, but this is also something that happens within the few people that you have in your direct inner circle. Um, And to look out for these sort of things is important and to avoid them is a red flag. Yeah. I have a similar story from a previous relationship not necessarily him buying me outfits, but um, right before I ended this relationship, and this was one of the red flags that I was like, all right, it's it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, was I was out with my friends, having a good time. I wasn't wearing um, anything revealing. I was just having a good time. And my past boyfriend and I, we had this issue of kind of spending every moment together. And I was finally finding new friends and like ranching out and making my own life and separating myself, which I was super excited and proud of myself for doing. And he acted like it was a good thing for me to do. But I remember I was at this party with all my friends and I get a call from him and he's just like, yelling at me over the phone and just like I'm just like in the corner of the room like almost crying talking to my boyfriend you know like the person who is not supposed to make you cry ever um and he was just saying like I need you over here I'm at this party right now nobody believes that you're my girlfriend like nobody believes that I have like a hot girlfriend like you need to get over here like it's so embarrassing for me to like that people don't believe that I could get a hot girlfriend and stuff. He's like, I need to show them, like, how beautiful you are and stuff. And I was just like, what? So in layman's terms, he wanted to show off your body. Yeah, he just wanted to flex me on all of them. And I was like, listen, I know I'm gorgeous and beautiful and, like, 10 out of 10. But also, like... That's a red flag. That's a big red flag. I'm like, are you only with me to just show your friends that you got a cute girlfriend? And that definitely stemmed from his own insecurities and things like that but you you can't do that to other people I think it's definitely you should know your own self-worth and do what you want and I was having a great old time I ended up going to that party and I had to walk there as well (laughs) um and I walked there and on my walk I was just you know getting all pumped and raged up and I got to that party and he's standing with this whole group of guys and I walk through the door and they're all like oh there she is like hey and I just walked right up to him I was like you cannot talk to me like that you cannot treat other people like that that's not okay and the fact that you just did that I think we really need to go on a like a break and like that's when I did it (laughs) and I was definitely like I'd been in this relationship for a little bit over a year and I was just like you know this is like the last the last straw like the last 
freaking straw man and And so the mic and i dropped the mic and we laughed and he started crying and uh being like oh i'm so sorry and i'm like dude you gotta knock it off (laughs) that's not okay i mean i mean any guy that the only reason that they want to show you off is to their friends is because of your physical attributes is not a guy that you want to be showing you off yeah never yeah yeah (laughs) um Wow, I've actually never heard that story. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we bring up this idea that people use your physical attributes to describe you, and it kind of becomes your label. Um, so maybe if you ladies are comfortable going around and, like, just just saying, like, what your label is, like, what people and, – and the idea of, like, when you – in your head, when you think people think of you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, for me – it's like my height, my long legs, it's like tiny as a stick. Like, and that's what is always over-sexualized about me, I guess, mm-hmm. or labeled about me. Mine's definitely my, my boobies, my breasts, my breasticles. You've definitely got some gorgeous breasts. Yes, I've got some big old bitties. every time I see you. <laughs> yeah, and like, I don't mind being appreciated, you know, but there's there's a lot more behind this big old chest of mine and there's limits too i mean okay would you mind sharing for our listeners kind of what we talked about yeah so one thing that happened to me a lot growing up um well basically also i had no boobs all the way to like junior year of high school and then like six months happened and i got double d's and everybody was confused and shocked and they're like who are you can't relate i was labeled vice president of the itty bitty titty committee (laughs) in high school that's how i was labeled Um, yeah and it became a huge talking point also in my life with people just being like, oh, my God, like, look at you. And I'm like, ah, this is my body. You're still the same person. <laughs> so, yeah. And it was just it was definitely like I was almost embarrassed of it because it brought so much attention that I had never had before. And it wasn't necessarily positive attention. Right. Um, but, yeah, one thing that would happen quite often with anything, I can remember this happening at like basketball games in high school or just getting dinner with friends. This happened my prom night it was this whole thing and people tend to people wanted to throw things down into my cleavage um and like ice cubes from their drinks was a was a really popular one but I would just be sitting there just talking to my friends having a good old time and then I'd like feel something hit my chest and either boys would go like goal or they'd be like ah we missed and I'm like I wasn't even, like, talking to you. Like, you guys were all just snickering over in a corner, and you decided to do this, and that's not okay. Like, that made me feel objectified, embarrassed, like, not proud of myself. I thought it was my fault and my issue for wearing a top that possibly, like, showed my cleavage, which I now know is, like, not my fault. That's just them being immature. And so it's definitely – Well, I'm thinking that that's okay. Like, there are boundaries, people, okay? You cannot – if if someone has a gorgeous set of breasts and they are showing them off because that's how they feel that they should be displayed, it does not give you the right to, one, say anything about it or, two, to physically go and try and make a basket in your titties, girl. I swear to God. No. Yeah. Red flag. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> This is the Red Flags podcast. Yeah, that's a red flag. (laughs) Yeah, but I also want to note on something. Before I met Kenna, I hated my body. And since I've talked to her about just my 
my boobs basically that's the big big one for me she's she's really helped me accept them for the beautiful biddies they are and it's oh, been a, it's been a transformation really but Listen. just being around other confident women has really <laughs> helped <laughs> This goes back to our episode one, Love Yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conversation that Brooke is bringing up is the exact same conversation that I had with you guys uh, on that episode <laughs> and probably a little bit more in depth. Um, but this, I guess, is a good time to say if you look in the mirror and there's something about your body that you don't like about yourself, you need to like take a deep breath and try to find the root of that. If you don't like that part of your body because outside forces are telling you that you shouldn't like that part of your body then that's a red flag right there Mm -hmm. right this comes down to the basis of self-love and if you can't love yourself you can't love anyone else and goes for like they're not going to love you in return so when you look in the mirror instead of finding obviously the negative things about yourself or the things that society doesn't want you to display and wants you to hide you know bounce back from that like show it off Mm -hmm. take the power back reclaim your titties reclaim your long legs reclaim that you can wear whatever you want Mm -hmm. and it does not change the content of your character definitely and it does not make you any less smart right like we get down to this smart and sexy trade-off like you can only be one and that that's a red flag no yeah that's a big red flag i was actually just gonna I was actually just going to bring that up um, because on the topic of like my experience with being like self-conscious of certain parts of my body um, or like the way I look um, for me, you know, my my weight and my features like any other adolescent fluctuated throughout high school. Um, And, you know, sometimes it was I had large boobs and people liked, you know, looking at them or throwing things in them like they did to Brooke. Or, you know, I sometimes had a bigger ass and people thought that was really fun to joke about sometimes. And like, then at one point I I lost some weight and it it came exactly from those two parts. So, um, (laughs) you know, that kind of solved the problem for me, I guess. But the fact that they were a problem in general was not okay. Um, And I also kind of just, like, the first word that came to mind when Kenna asked this question for me was, like, bimbo. And I've mentioned before that I am, like, really invested in academics and my learning. Um, She's smart as hell, you guys. She's basically a genius. Mm -hmm. Don't don't undercut yourself there. Mm -hmm. Um, And throughout middle and high school, I was going to advanced classes and took quite a few AP classes and was in the IB program at my school for a bit. And similar to being picked last in dodgeball in the academic world, being picked last for a group project was kind of my MO. And I think it was because, and like this might not be the case, but to me, I felt like it was because I was a blonde girl who cared about her appearance and liked style and was into more things than just my school. I think I was looked upon as someone who maybe wasn't as smart or maybe someone who, you know, wouldn't be as effective of a teammate as other people. Something that I heard recently was on um, Letterman's Netflix special and it's the one with Lizzo and 
Lizzo's like a huge body confidence warrior, I would say. Um, But something she says on that episode is like, I don't want to be an activist because I'm like thick and black. I want to be an activist because I'm smart and like I'm intelligent and I deserve it. And I think that that has always been like the way that I felt and I could not say it better than the way that she did. triggers this memory, I guess, this story. Um, In college, I was giving a formal business presentation and I was in skirt and heels and being tall when I wear heels. I'm like 6'3", 6'4", and my group mates were all males. Um, And after giving the presentation, the only commentary that I personally received back from the professor had to do only with the things that I was wearing. You know, he made the comment like, well, maybe next time you should wear some flats because you were taller than all of your group members and it really distracted me throughout the presentation. Whereas the males all got commentary based on the information they presented and my grade was directly affected by that. I received a lower score than the rest of my teammates because of the things that I was wearing. Now, I don't want to attribute like the only reason I received that score because I was female, but I know my capabilities and mm-hmm. I know my brain and I know that I did just as well, but I was hindered directly because of the things that I chose to wear. And that comes down to, you know, if we go even further, the fact that I can't change my height and I shouldn't have to wear flats instead of heels where other females may be able to wear heels because of something that I physically can't change about myself, right? Mm -hmm. And that should not directly affect the grades that I receive or the career opportunities that I get. And so this is where we bring in that smart and sexy trade-off effect. In society, you can either be smart and female, or you can be sexy and a female, and you can't be both. I want to call out also here, not just, you know, the smart, sexy trade-off red flag, but that this is a total double standard uh, because do you honestly think that if you were a six foot five male standing up there giving the presentation that the teacher would give you the same comment? I I just want you guys to think about that in case you're thinking, you know, like Kenna's exaggerating over there or that, you know, like, oh, you know, she was wearing heels. So it's justified. That is never justified. I know plenty of people who are much taller than Kenna, even wearing heels just because they might be dressed differently or presenting themselves differently. Well, I guess, okay, like, Brooke, let me pose this question to you. You are um, studying to become a pediatric ICU nurse. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, she is. Um, We've got another smart one in our mix today. Smart and sexy, if I might add. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you (laughs) find in the, you know, workforce that you're currently in that there are times that you are sexualized compared to your male counterparts? In my experience, I've only done a lot of CNA work, which is kind of like the assistance to the nurses, and usually it's only females who do that. But I do find a lot with patients I'm having, if one day we did have a male CNA come through who was helping us on our floor because we were short that day, and he was requested much more than I was just based on the fact that, like, other people felt that he could do more than me and helping them wise. Um, granted, as a CNA, we're giving like bed baths and things like that. And I totally understand if you're more comfortable and you're a male and you're more comfortable with male giving you a bed bath, that's fine. But it was more of just them judging my abilities, right. just stereotyping me as a 
woman who isn't super much to help with just the daily duties that I had to do. And I think I can totally see it with doctors. And I see all of the different teams of doctors go around who have either like women or men assisting them. And some doctors, I mean, they're stereotypically, you know, sorry to stereotype people, but they usually have big egos and they think they're always right and they will speak up if they think something's wrong, which I think is a fine thing it, to speak up when you think something's wrong. But I also notice it happen a lot more if a woman speaks her mind and says that the doctor is wrong, he will put them down and try and put them in their place more often than like the men who might speak up and offer a solution to someone's problem. And I think definitely in the medical field, with the doctors and everybody's just trying to help a patient and people's opinions shouldn't matter based on gender and it doesn't matter they all got there the same exact way and beat out everybody else lower than them in classes and it's definitely very competitive but I totally see women being shot down and also opposite to that with women being shut down while they're working their way up to becoming a doctor or a specialist or something I see the women doctors who kind of fought their way there shooting down like the men that they have below them, like, because they're angry, (laughs) kind of, and uh, I think there's a huge issue with gender in the, in the medical field, and the respect people get from it. Yeah, well, it plays both ways, and I bring up the question, because, I mean, Callie and I are going into the business workforce, Brooke is going into the medical workforce, um, and these are huge fields that we see over sexualization a lot, regardless of gender, this is, you know, two career fields that have very predominantly Mm -hmm. stereotypical um, sexualization practices that we see. And whether it comes down to, you know, like the things that I wear for a business presentation or Callie being picked last for a group project based off of her looks rather than her intelligence, this is a common red flag that we see. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, going back to being a nurse and the sexualization you get with that, I've definitely heard comments and been given comments from patients, especially um, like, oh, I get a sexy nurse today or something. And it's like this fantasy that they have to be taken care of by a beautiful, gorgeous woman. And I'm just like, bro, I'm wiping your butt right now. Like, please, (laughs) please stop. (laughs) The opposite of sexy right now. Like, I I do not. (laughs) This isn't. I'm assuming this isn't your fantasy, but who knows? There's Uh, a reason I didn't come in in a candy-striped, you know, costume. Yeah, I think there's definitely also a reason why every nurse wears scrubs that completely usually hide your body shape. And um, it's, I think it definitely goes back to the clothing thing that it hides your body shape so people can give you more respect and not be distracted by your gorgeous body underneath those. Um, and be, you'll be taken more seriously as a medical professional. It's it's interesting to me that you bring up the the idea of, you know, wearing scrubs to work or, you, you know, just uniforms in general. And I think that uniforms can be a very good equalizer in some workforces. Um, you know, whether that's okay or not, or whether that should be the case is a different thing. I think it's interesting that clothing serves as a kind of equalizer in that setting in that circumstance um and it kind of goes back to the idea of you know like no matter who you are and no matter like what you look like you can be 
equally like as capable and as competent as the next person. I think that uniforms may be a better way to do this than say a dress code. Because I think if you're setting the same standard for everyone, like we said earlier, regardless of gender, it's much more inclusive for everyone to create a standard of everyone's wearing the same thing rather than you know, if you identify as a woman, you shouldn't be wearing a skirt to work or you shouldn't be showing your cleavage at work. And one more thing that I wanted to touch on about something that Brooke brought up earlier was like the women specialists picking on the, the you know, underling males. I think it's interesting that the women do this, like Brooke just said, because for me, the way that I've always tried to combat being sexualized, being looked down upon because maybe I don't look like your average academic. My way of fighting back against this was always, you know, prove them wrong and show them that you're better than the way that you look or, you know, better than the next person over from you. I think instead of being you know, a brat and being bitter and picky, why don't we show them that we're more mature than that and bigger than that? And, you know, we'll treat people with respect even if they don't treat us with respect. Yeah. And I think going along with that, um, you know, on this idea of like clothing and not wearing certain things because you don't want to be sexualized, I've kind of viewed in the past couple of years after getting out of a toxic relationship that basically controlled, you know, me wearing over provocative things so that I would look sexy to him or to other people um, is to push back against that by, I mean, I brought it up before, but like reclaiming that power, right? Mm -hmm. So now if I'm going to wear something that's sexy and provocative, I'm going to wear it because I feel damn good about it. And I'm going to put that on and I know I'm going to feel confident. So Mm -hmm. now when I get dressed, instead of putting on things that I'm like, well, you know, other people may think that this is like a little too much. I think more of like, if this is going to make me confident, then this is what I'm going to wear. And if this makes me uncomfortable, then I'm not going to wear it. So there's ways to reclaim that power. And, you know, if you do wear something, you feel good and you're walking down the street and you get catcalled. I'm not going to be the person to say that it is what it is because I think that it is wrong for a lot of reasons. But you know what? Ignore it. Like, take the compliment, move on. (laughs) It's it's a a lot easier to walk away from the situation than it is to stay and try to push back against what that person is specifically thinking about you. Because let's be honest, if that person is like taking off all of the clothes on you in their mind, nothing you say is going to change that. And we just see that down to the basics in society that we're run off of pornography. Like, there is no difference in between how we think in society and the images and the media that we're shown. And porn is thrown down your throat like it was in a freaking porno. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I think that oftentimes, as we've, you know, called out here in Red Flags, um, you know, people are sexualized for the wrong reasons. And we really wanted to bring up, you know, how it affected us growing up and like in our younger years. And I kind of wanted to tie back into the idea of protecting the person you love by, by, you know, changing the thing that they're wearing or asking your child to wear something different when you go and see certain people. I'd like to you know, to any parents or people wanting to be parents out there, 
instead of making your child change outfits to go see, you know, Uncle Sam, maybe just don't take your kids to see Uncle Sam if you think he's creepy and he's going to sexualize your kid, okay? Like, instead of thinking, you know, I need to keep face with this this relative of mine, that's not true. If you think that your kid is safer wearing something different around your relative, that is a red flag and you should look at that relationship rather than the thing that your child is wearing. Uh, you guys, we're pausing here because the power just went out in Salt Lake City. Um, it probably has to do with the fact that there is a raging snowstorm going on outside. Um, I'm gonna get some candles, you guys. Yeah. What? Um, let's just... Are we on the air still? Yeah, we're on the air still. So I think we've reached a good stopping place for today. Um, We touched on a lot of red flags here revolving around how you're sexualized based on your clothing, how we objectify people in physical ways or by vocalizing it, um, this smart and sexy trade-off effect, how the media portrays us, lots of lots of different things that go in hand with this topic today. But we are so excited that you guys came back and listened to another episode. And Brooke, we were so, so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for being with us here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, Before we go, we wanted to ask you if you had a little piece of advice to give our listeners, what would it be? So throughout these past couple years in college, I've definitely learned that you are going to be treated the way that you let people treat you. And if you are uncomfortable with something that someone's either done or said, um, make sure you speak up and you tell them. And usually it might be uncomfortable, but that's kind of what you want because that'll make them feel uncomfortable and be like, oh, shit, like, sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, And it won't happen again. And th- as long as you're speaking up for yourself and defending yourself, if you feel uncomfortable in a situation, usually that'll be a very big positive in the long run. This episode, we don't have a listener engaging exercise. However, we do want to challenge you to do, as Brooke just said, and, you know, call out people who aren't treating you right, whether that's because of the way you look or something, something else. But, you know, call that out and don't let people treat you that way. Mm -hmm. It'll be scary at first, but honestly, like I've been doing it recently and after the first couple times, like you get this power rush and you're like, yes. It's super empowering. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. it's an awesome feeling to like just tell someone, you know, that's, that's where I draw the line and that's not okay for you to treat me that way. Set boundaries for yourself and you'll live a happier life and it doesn't necessarily have to be you like yelling at a person or making it like a very serious thing but like even if a close friend does something or says something that makes you uncomfortable just be like hey um I didn't appreciate that very much or that made me uncomfortable just like don't do it again I still love you but like that one thing I just didn't like it and to even plug the pod here I would say you know you can just say hey that's a red flag for me like that that to me it's a red flag I don't really (laughs) like that For sure. And to also plug our first episode, one of my positive affirmations that I've written down recently for myself was boundaries are healthy. Um, Because I feel like for me, it's often very hard to call out people like Brooke just said. And I think that sometimes we'd rather not be that person. But, you know, be that person and stand up for yourself 
And like, I, for me, that's something that I even have to remind myself. So don't, don't be too hard on yourself, but try and work on it. And on that note, we'd like to say thank you so much for listening. Um, We appreciate your support and we hope that you come back next time. Peace out. Bye. I don't know, you guys. Oh, my um, sign off should have been wear a mask. Thank you.